Hi, TYB on the run. Well, welcome to Romans 4. I'm so excited to be wrestling and going through Romans with you. Uh, whatever you're doing, as I say, cleaning the house or, you know, on the run somewhere, I'm loving doing these Bible blasts with you. So let's jump into Romans 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. What an amazing chapter. Oh my gosh, I'm loving studying Romans. It's so meaty, isn't it? I feel like I'm full every day with these chapters that we're going through. But as we go through, guys, can you hear in chapter 4, the repeated term of righteousness, 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 righteousness over and over again. And this incredible debate that Paul is saying right here, 
is that that Abraham was justified by faith, not righteousness. Now, if we go back to the Jewish um, understanding of of, um, righteousness, that is their goal. Their goal is to have the be right standing before Yahweh. Their goal is to have the holiness. Their goal is to to keep Torah as much as they can, to obey, to have that obedience that that they that it talks about in the Old Testament scriptures, to have that blessing of God over them, that righteousness, that perfection, that justice, because that's the justice that that, that God comes comes up when He's in war. It's that justice of God, that that presence of God over them, that righteousness of God over them, and you can hear in in the Jewish faith in the Old Testament in Israelites that were very much about this righteousness. Now, Paul being the incredible debater that Paul is, doesn't pull out a New Testament person and says, look, that person's justified by righteousness because they genuinely wouldn't have cared. What he does, being the great debater, is he pulls out their pinnacle man, Abraham, and he says, look, the war is that you say you cannot be right right standing or righteous before God without circumcision, without um, being born into the, into the Jewish faith or adopting into the Jewish faith and without all of the things that come with that, but, but without identifying as a Jew. And this is the big argument here. He's saying you do not have to be a Jew with all those customs, with all those that things, the things that go with being a Jew. You do not have to be that to be righteous before God. And he uses their pinnacle, like I said, their hero. And he says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? And he's saying, let me bring in my first witness to saying that righteousness comes by faith, not by the works of the law. And he says, my first witness I call is Abraham. And they would have been shocked. They would have been like, how dare you? That's our witness. Because in James, when you study the book of James, James uses Abraham as a witness towards works, which is so funny because Paul here uses him as a witness. You know what I mean by like a, uh, a court testimony, somebody that, that's coming along to defend my case. James uses Abraham to defend his case of works. And here Paul uses Abraham to defend his case of righteousness by faith. It's quite an incredible parallel. And if you want to quickly jump into James and have a look, just have a look at that note and and, and um, it's quite interesting. If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. So he's saying, look, you know, I will give you this. If, if, we, if we figure out in the end of this debate that Abraham was justified by works, yeah, I agree, he would have something to boast about. And then he clarifies that and he says, of course, not before God. He says, what does Scripture say? Now, can I just point this out, guys? This is something that I'm wrestling with at the moment. Um, what does Scripture say? Paul actually uses in a text that is very anti the works of the law, he confirms his side of the debate, the works righteousness by uh, faith, not by works, by the scripture. Now, can I say, guys, it's very important as Christians today to, um, to separate works and scripture. And you're like, Katie, what does that mean? What I mean is this, the works of the law is not the Old Testament. That's not what Paul's saying. Why? Because his very examples are from the Old Testament text. He's not throwing the Old Testament out and then, oh, hang on a second, I just need that part and I'm, and, and I'm taking certain bits. No, no, no. He's saying, this, what does Scripture say? Now, I, I read, a, I actually listened to a master's um, uh, video this week of this guy, Rick Watts, and he was amazing. And he said this, his, this thing, he said, I call the uh, Old Testament the Israelite scriptures. Why? Because 
Paul uses this term here as scripture because he's confirming the Old Testament scripture. What he's not confirming are the things that they use to identify themselves as Israelites, uh, circumcision, the works, everything that they added to that, every the Talmud, everything that they added, the works around that. So if you are one of a uh, Christian, you know, heard about Christians throwing out the Old Testament because we're New Testament Christians and we're saved by grace and Paul even said that the Old Testament is bad because he talks about the works of the law, that's not right because here he actually says he uses the Scriptures the holy scriptures of the Old Testament, he uses them as actually evidence for his case. And we have to be very careful with not throwing out the Old Testament but learning from it. This is how we know what our, who our God is. This is how we know Yahweh. This is how we know how he acts and reacts. This is how we know what sin is. And this is how we know the boundary markers of our life by the Israelite scriptures or what we call the Old Testament. So what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So he's saying, look, I agree. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And James says, yes, he, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness because of his works. And it says this, now to the one who works, and he, he explains why he's so passionate about this. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. What he's saying is this, he's saying the scriptures wouldn't have used the word credited to him. If he had worked for it, it would have been wages. <laughs> you don't get credited something if you earned it. And this is what, let me read it to you again from that basis. He's saying, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. You are obliged to give that person their wage. And, and you know, the, the Bible talks about that all the, all the time. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited. He's saying, Abraham didn't work at the promise. Because if he'd worked at it, it wouldn't be credited to him as righteousness. It would have just been wages to which he had earned. But the whole point of Abraham's righteousness was he did not earn it. He did not earn the righteousness that was given to him. And it says here, it was his trust in God. That's how the righteousness was credited to him. And I love that, guys, because I don't know about you, TYB, but I feel like sometimes I get into a works-based Christianity. I have to go to church. I have to pray. I have to read my Bible. I have to, you know, I have to, I have to, I have to. Why? For this, for this essence or this sense that I'm, that I'm doing something for what, for my Christianity. I'm doing something for my salvation. I don't like being given a gift because I, I feel like I'm not sure how to respond because I, I get really uneasy about things that I haven't felt like I've earned. Does that make sense? I haven't felt like, oh, I didn't earn that, so I can't really take that. But we've got to get over that as Christians because we cannot earn the salvation to which Jesus gave us. We cannot earn it. It is a free gift. And all we did was trusted in God and that was credited to us as righteousness. Oh my gosh, it's just such a mind-blowing concept that you didn't earn this. Take those weights off. Take those yokes off that says that you have to earn your salvation. Be secure in your salvation that it was given to you, not by the wages. It's not wages. It's credited to you as a, as a gift. And I love that sense that, that Paul's really debating here. Can you feel it? Now, Abraham, he's saying, I, I get it. Abraham, definitely in the scriptures, it says that it was credited to him as righteousness. But let's have a look at this. He says, and then he throws another big hero in there. He says, David says the same thing. And they're like, oh my gosh, not David. 
when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And then he does the scripture, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. And there's this beautiful reference to David saying, you know what, he even got the understanding of, of righteousness, not by works, but by, by grace, by faith. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Now, guys, this is revolutionary. 2,000 years later from this letter, as I keep saying through Romans, Romans is such a pinnacle text because our Christianity would look very different if Paul didn't win this debate. Our Christianity would look very, oh, my gosh, we're Gentiles. I would not be able to be in the faith. You'd have to be a Messianic Jew. You would have to be a Messianic Jew to be to be in this, um, if, if this argument didn't work, then a lot of us wouldn't have been able to accept Jesus by grace and faith. And I'm so grateful for this, for, for Romans. We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. He keeps going, under what circumstances? What He's so cheeky. Was it credited? Can you feel he's leading? You can imagine this debate and they're like, I feel like he's leading me into a trap. And, the, and he is. <laughs> he says, was it after he was circumcised or before? Now they've realized what he's done. He said, yes, Abraham is credited. And they've all gone, "Uh uh-huh, yes, the scripture does say that Abraham was credited as righteousness. And he said, yeah, even David said that. And he's like, yes, uh uh-huh, David says that. And then he's led them into this and he said this, um, under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? Um, And then the moment, which has got an exclamation mark in your Bible, it says it was not after but before. What he's saying is 400 years before, Abraham was before Moses. Yes. So we've got this Abraham, Moses brought in the law. So if they're saying he was credited by the law, that he earned his righteousness by the law, they're 400 years too early. (laughs) So he's saying, I don't know what you're talking about because he wasn't circumcised when God credited to him righteousness. And then he goes on to say, and by the way, the law wasn't even there. So your debate doesn't hold up. Your evidence of Abraham being credited by works doesn't hold up. Two things. He wasn't circumcised at that point that God declared him and there was no law. This is how good debater is Paul. Oh, my gosh, I love it. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was, he's like, you know what? I've just claimed my case. He can drop the mic, basically. He said, your hero of the faith did not receive it by the works of the law. I love this. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised. And he keeps going in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he's saying, guys, all I'm saying is the promise that was given way back when, the promise to that man, it's actually in Genesis that the seed of of, um, Adam, that promised seed that was promised way back in Genesis and came through the Abraham covenant of blessing to the nations was always once and for all, for for all people, and that was always Jesus, and it was never just for one um, nation. It was that nation was supposed to be a light to all the nations. Yes, it was going to come through that nation, but that nation was supposed to go. Yes, this is for all, and they got elite guys, Christians. Can I say out out there? Do not get elite in your Christianity. What happened to Ju- Judaism? What happened to the Israelites? Was they decided that Yahweh was for them? 
not for everybody. And he says, you know what? Your hero says that it was always intended. The promise was for everyone, Jew and Gentile, and you got elite. You kept it in a box. You wanted God in a box and everyone else was sinners and you were saved by grace. And, you know, and sometimes I see it as Christians where we're happy in our churches, but oh my gosh, if that person you know, an addict comes in, how dare they come in? It's like, well, actually Jesus died for them as well. Um, You know, we don't be so religious in your elitism of Christianity. It is for everybody. So I'm preaching on that because I get really passionate about that. So then he's the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised who not only after circumcised, uh, circumcised, but also who also follow in the footsteps of the faith. And he's saying, guys, Jesus is for all, Jewish and Gentiles. And he's kind of, can you feel this beautiful? Remember the church, Jew-Gentile separation? He's just uniting them beautifully. Firstly, he united them and said, we're all sinners saved by grace. And now he's just beautifully uniting them in the covenant promise of Jesus. And I love that. It keeps going. Uh, Therefore, the promise comes by faith. This is his final debate statement. So that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. And he's saying everybody who is is involved in Abraham's offspring. Um, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into beings things that were not. Now, in the last couple of minutes, guys, let's wrestle with this very well-known scripture. Against all hope. I'm in 418. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. Now, did you hear the two hopes? Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. And he explains himself. What Paul does is he puts this um, statement out there and he says, there's two hopes, guys. And this is TYB, know this, there is two hopes here on this planet. Um, And he keeps going. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead. That was one hope, the hope in his body, the hope in Sarah's womb, and that hope to him was dead. And he had to look at that hope that he previously hoped in, and he thought that that's how the promise was going to happen. And he looked at his body and he said, "You know, I'm ready for babies, and I'm, you know, any, any, I'm ready for the promise to come." And Sarah was like, "Yes, I'm." And then she realized that hope was dead because she was barren. And Abraham realized that that hope that they thought the way the promise was going to come was dead. And it says without weakening in his faith, he faced that fact. He looked at that hope and said, you know what? That's not going to how the promise is going to come. Some of you today, TYB, need to face the fact that God is not going to do your miracle through that way. That is not the way your miracle is going to come. You need to go, you know what, that was my previous hope, but you know what, I need to let go of that hope so that I can see the hope in Christ. I need to walk away from that hope and go, that is not the way that the answer is going to come. And he says, but you've got to, without weakening in your faith. So don't lose faith just because your hope is in the wrong thing. He says, don't weak, without weakening in your faith, Face the fact that your body's as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. That's pretty good. And that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he realized there was another hope. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. Oh, I love this scripture, that God had the power to do what he had promised. He had to stop hoping in his own flesh and in his own body and in Sarah's womb because it was dead. It was over. It was finished. Sometimes God will kill the thing that you're hoping in. Sometimes God will get it to the point where it's dead before you realize that that's not the way he's going to fulfill the promise. He turns to the hope. And I love this statement. Without, he did not waver through unbelief. Do not stop 
through unbelief. Yes, unbelief comes part of our life, but he said, don't don't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but be fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised you. It will come in a way that is a miracle. I love this. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. I love this scripture, guys. Why? Because the very thing he thought was dead, the very thing that he thought, there's no way we're going to have a baby through Sarah's womb. God raised Sarah's womb from the dead. and a miracle came forth. Sometimes you've got to let your own strength let go, walk through unbelief like like, um, Abraham did here, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Why? Because he trusted in God alone. He didn't trust in his flesh, but he trusted in the God who could do a miracle through his flesh do a miracle through the flesh of Sarah. And that is exactly what happened. I've loved studying Romans 4. I cannot wait to do Romans 5 with you. We'll see you soon.